0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Energy News Beat podcast and we have a heck of a show today. Michael's out on assignment so he just got me today and I mean I've got a lineup for you guys. It is a hoot. Let's start around the corner and we're going to go over here to Turkey. Who is the main beneficiary of the gas hub in Turkey? This is critical for energy security in the EU and in Europe. It's pretty crazy on how it's going to pan out. The next story is Exxon to start up lithium production for the EVs in the U.S. by 2027. This is in Arkansas. And Governor Huckabee just announced this as she is just uh, an absolute national treasure. This was pretty cool. So uh, Huckabee Sanders, excuse me. And uh, so the next article is without crude oil, there would be no need for uh, electricity. This is from Ronald Stein. He is an absolute friend of the show, and we have covered him several times. Next article, do we face electric shortages this winter? NERC issues, winter reliability assessment. This is really critical, and I want to give a shout out to see if you can survive without power. And uh, can you just take care of your family for 72 hours for a week? It's a question you need to ask. And then Cape Codders, NIMBYs, you got to love the NIMBYs. Cape Codders say say no to offshore wind transmission lines under their beaches. They want to have renewable energy and um, they don't want the power lines under their beaches. So uh, you got to love it. Anyway, maybe it'll save a whale or two. Anyway, let's go over here to Turkey. Who is the main beneficiary of the gas hub in Turkey? I'll tell you what, this is a great article. And uh, this came in, uh, I, I was amazed that this came in on the uh, news feed. Energy researcher Irina Mornova has really put a good article here. I want to give her a shout out. Russia and the geopolitical stuff, you guys have heard me talking about this on the Energy Newsbeat. And this is so involved. If you just take a look at the geopolitical things that have happened in Europe, it's also spread around to the world because of BRICS getting off of the sanctions. It's the weaponization of the sanctions in Iran, as well as in Russia. And the Biden administration has not done a good job with that. This... Um, actually is an amazing article because it describes Turkey has replaced Germany as the entry point for Russian gas and the key partner into the European market. This is critical because all of a sudden they can say, oh, wait a minute, it's not Russian gas, it's Turkey gas and kind of it's uh, the old shell game here. Um, And uh, so you can see with this, if I could have the producer, Andy, bring up this map, you'll see that it'll be able to come through Russia and into Turkey and then off over into uh, other countries. And so it would even go to Turkey-Bulgaria border. It would also go through the Trans-Balkan Pipeline via Ukraine, Moldova, Romania, and the pipeline to Anarca. This is incredibly important. Uh, The two submarine pipelines that connect Russia and Turkey, they're called the Blue Stream. It was launched in 2003 and uh, Turk Stream, which was launched in 2020. So the gas hub that is used to be the Ukraine and then coming into the Baltic down into Germany It has changed a bunch. And I am talking to another international geopolitical expert tomorrow. Unbelievable. He's reached out to the podcast, and I cannot wait to uh, share this with you. He's a guy that's been living over there and uh, really has got it all down to a science here. Let me give you a quote However, Russia's direct ability to foster trading on the exchange seems limited. This is the trading hub, the gas hub uh, in Turkey. So um, when we take a look, this is a very critical point. Countries go to war over energy. And then they also go over to war over food. And this is exactly what's happening in here. And Turkey has notched the game up in becoming so important uh, in this energy mix. Businesses in the EU and Germany have all been shut down and the GDP for the EU has come under attack and may not even come back in some areas. So let's go ahead and transition over to Exxon. This is an outstanding story. When we take a look at the energy transition uh, and the demand for lithium for the lithium batteries, this is huge. And they are are projecting that they can start producing lithium Exxon by 2027. Let's see, oil majors are investing in the electrification sector as governments in the United States and Europe set programs to promote wider use of electric vehicles. Wow. In the long term, lithium is really a global opportunity, said Dan Aman, president of Exxon's low carbon business unit. We are starting here because there's an urgent need to ramp up domestic production with these critical minerals. Let's talk about some of this. Its goal would require $2 billion in capital expenditures to provide 50,000 tons at a volume it could generate $800 million in cash. That doesn't seem like a very good 2 billion capital expenditures in order to generate 800 million in potential cash unless there is subsidies in here and unless there is long-term contracts. The other part of this article is very critical. European oil rivals BP, Shell have invested in EV charging stations as part of their transition strategy but BP and shell and even total Energy, as we talked about, Total Energy has just bought enough natural gas plants or is in the process of buying them in Texas that is equivalent of two nuclear reactors. And when you take a look at the difference of the European big oil companies, they went 100 percent going to beyond petroleum, as in BP's case, instead of maintaining their balance like the U.S., uh, the Exxon's of the world stayed their course and then Oxy took it to carbon capture. So now Exxon which invented the rechargeable lithium battery in the 70s, I did not know that stepped away from the technology has no in, in uh, plans to invest in the charging stations. I thought that was pretty critical. Stay in your lane and this is very very uh, important. There are 280 million vehicles in the U.S. today and fewer than 3 million are EVs. There's still 99% to go which it's a huge opportunity. So the headwinds for this project, a, I applaud it. The headwinds are going to be, is the EV market going to be sustainable without the consumers being excited about it? And, or are the subsidies going to have to kick in? Stay tuned. We're going to try to get a crayon on this with Michael and be back with you on this as well. Ronald Stein is a, uh, a very well-known author and, uh, He is he is a cool cat when it comes to this. This article is without crude oil. There'd be no need for electricity. Uh, He and I uh, recorded a podcast about the security of uh, California is a security liability. I couldn't agree more. The team is working on that one right now. Most of the products that did not exist before the 1800s are made from petrochemicals. Think about that. Your iPhone, your keyboard, your microphone, your podcast recording, your camera. Oh, your food being delivered in a truck. Um, None of it would be here. And so when you take a look at you cannot and Ronald does a great job. If you have all renewable wind, solar, and nuclear, that does not make things. It does not make any of your plastics, any of your metal. You need to have coal in order to get the heat furnaces hot enough for cement or any of these others. The other forms of energy just with their current technology don't work. Uh, electricity can charge the iPhone, but it can't make the iPhone. It can make the defibrillator work, but it cannot make the defibrillator. These are all outstanding points, and this article is absolutely outstanding. Shout out to uh, Ronald Stein. Do we face electricity shortages this winter? ERC issues, uh, winter reliability assessment. This is uh, absolutely outstanding. What a great article. The NERC released its Winter Reliability Assessment, or the WRA. Everybody's got to love their acronyms. Designated almost half the U.S. as being at an elevated risk of having insufficient operating reserves during extreme weather. Operating reserves are electricity supplies that are not being used but can quickly come online. This is a quote A large portion of the North American BPS is at risk of insufficient electricity supplies during peak winter commissions. Uh, There's another one in here. Uh, Let's see. It is extreme cold weather event that extends into MISO. Southern areas can cause high generator outages from inadequate weatherization. We saw that in Texas. Over 200 people have passed on that load shedding is unlikely, but may be needed under wide area uh, weather events. So natural gas constitute 46% of MISO's winter resource mix. That's huge. That's why Texas is investing so heavily in the I believe it was the extra $3 billion in natural gas power plants. And that's why Total Energy is buying the uh, billions of dollars worth of natural gas power plants as well. Anybody that thinks that we can't get along without coal, natural gas, and oil right now, we got to have it because energy, renewable energy is failing. And like Ronald, I always say renewable energy is not sustainable because we are done printing money. The world cannot print money anymore. Cape Cotters say no to offshore wind transmission lines under their beaches. I'll tell you what, I can't blame them. The NIMBYs, though, they, they are demanding renewable energy, but yet they don't want them on their beach. So when you, you sit back and say, not on my beach, that would have to be something other than NIMBY. This is in Barnstable. The scene at Barnstable High School in a recent Monday night felt like a home rally and anxious energy cheers and hugs. A crush of bodies flooded the hallway as revelers greeted friends and handed out flyers to pouring people into the auditorium, except it was a public meeting. Chuck Tuttle, one of the four locals who prompted the event, more than 500 residents to petition the town council. Do you think we have a shop at stopping it? Uh, I do. And then they went on with all the flow of arrivals. I hope they do stop it because the offshore wind industry is failing because they're not getting the approval for longer increased price increases to consumers. Whales are dying at a uh, unprecedented rate. We have great people leading that charge, and it's just critical on the offshore wind up there. Is energy hypocrisy real? Absolutely. Do I blame them? Absolutely not but I'm going to be curious and follow up with them. Where do they want their power coming from? Do they want it bust on somebody else's shore? Are they going to demand offshore wind power, even though they don't want to pay for it? That's going to be a big question I want to follow up with. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all of our wonderful subscribers and everything else. Thank you for your time. I've had some fabulous uh, interviews that are being dropped out. Tucker Perkins, uh, CEO, dropped out uh, yesterday. He is the CEO of the Propane Coalition, and uh, they are trying to work on that next mile. The last mile, getting the clean energy to the rural homes, and it's amazing what they're they've got going on. Uh, also, have Grace Stanky that is coming out. She is the Miss America, but she's more importantly also a, a nuclear engineer. She's got a great path, a great story, and uh, also I'm interviewing, as I mentioned, another world geopolitical thought leader who's lived it and has a lot of inside baseball on how all this stuff is coming around the corner in Iran in Turkey and all of this energy area in that area so with that like subscribe and also if you're an industry thought leader and you want on the podcast with me please reach out to the show uh, send me a note I want to talk to you about any kind of energy around the world remember energy is a humanitarian asset let's get up everybody out of uh, poverty through the use of effective energy with the least amount of impact on the environment. With that, thanks and have a great day. I'll talk to everybody soon.